The Gestalt Gardener podcast is brought to you by Varicosity Vein Center, providing health assessment screenings and compassionate care to improve your vascular functionality and quality of life. Our doctors and vein specialists offer solutions to painful varicose veins, spider veins, and other venous diseases to our patients. Now offering complimentary vein screenings in Jackson, Madison, and Ridgeland. Information and appointment scheduling at varicosityveincenter.com. Good morning, good morning, and ain't it a beautiful morning? What a great time to be in the South. Everybody else getting hammered by bad weather. We got sunny days and beautiful flowers and lots of good fragrances and butterflies, and we're going to talk about all that. I'm horticulturist Felder Rushing. This is Mississippi Public Broadcasting Weekly Garden Program. We call it the Gestalt Gardener. Uh, and our producer is an awesome Java Chapman. We're going to have fun for the next hour or so just talking about flowers. This first weekend in May, at March, I'm push, pushing it already. We're going to be talking about what you can be doing in your southern garden, uh, share some cheesy music, of course, and I'm going to take your phone calls live about what's going on or not in your garden. So sit back, folks. We're in real time. We're going to be talking about gardening all the way to the end of the hour. We're going to take a little quick break and catch up on some stuff, and I'm going to organize some stuff for us to talk about gardening. Let's get dirty. This is an MPB Think Radio podcast. To hear previous shows, visit mpbonline.org or download the MPB Public Radio app to listen on your iPhone or Android phone on demand. Okie dokie, folks. Welcome back. Horticulturist Felder Rushing, and we're talking about gardening. I hope that's what you're into because that's what it's going to be about. Things related to gardening. If you like to grow stuff in pots or indoors or uh, have a perfect lawn or a wildflower meadow instead of a perfect lawn or, or grow vegetables or herbs or flowers, cut flowers. If you want to grow it, let's talk about it. It's going to be a toll-free call-in program right until the end of the hour. And it's, like I said, it doesn't cost anything to give us a call. It's toll-free 1-877-MPB-RING. One eight seven seven MPB ring, and we're gonna be just be talking about stuff. Uh, speaking of talking about stuff, Java, I uh, brought in something. This is a repeat from last year, I guess, about these flowers I brought in. Yeah, I I, I already knew what it smelled like. Yeah, they're they're <laughs> called paper whites. They're yeah, a type yeah. of type of daffodil. Lots of little flowers, Pretty clusters flowers, of flowers. Yeah. Yep, and they're very fragrant. But some people say they smell like cat pee. And I guess you're one of them. Uh, the gal up front, when I first came in, she said, well, it has, it, she said it has overtones of cat urine. Overtones? <laughs> what? This is like a perfume or something? Yeah, that's right. You know, oh, oh, de feline. <laughs> <laughs> but paper whites are one of the most popular lower south, deep south, lower south, coastal south bulbs because it'll bloom, even in Florida, bloom along the Gulf Coast. It's not one that requires a lot of cold weather to, to, to bloom well. As a matter of fact, uh, the further north you go, the quicker they peter out. Sometimes they get frozen, even up in Memphis. But uh, paper whites are real early. They have clusters of real fragrant white flowers, and they're great old pass-along plants. Uh, I have several different kinds, uh, even though they look alike to most people. I'm one of those collector-type folks. I have some that uh, little little tiny white flowers with the little teensy little white cup in the middle. Some have a little yellow cup. Uh, I have this particular one. It's called Double. They look like roses, little roses about the size of a big marble, I guess. Intensely fragrant. This is called Early Cheer. And uh, we're going to be talking about a couple of other things about daffodils. Um, and also, clear up some misconceptions. No, 
like a clear misconception. We're going to argue with some stuff about daffodils and snowdrops. And uh, I've also have some events to talk about. Some a lot of stuff getting cranked up. Gardening events coming along. You might be interested in. And our cheesy music coming up. Uh, some of you may be surprised or pleased to find out that there is a garden connection even with the Beach Boys from California. But let's start out by just talking about gardening. We're going to start out in New Orleans talking with Spencer. Good morning. How are you? I'm fine, thank you. How are you? Good. Sound like you're driving, though. I hope you're not on Interstate 10. I am on 10 right now. Whew. I'm heading to my house, actually, as we speak. You got the hands free on, right? Yes, sir, oh, I Okay, do. okay. What's up, man? Well, we have a king palm in front of our house. And due to the cold weather, it's gone brown, and I'm wondering if there's any way to save it. Um, well, yeah, just wait and see. The, uh, a, lot of, <laughs> a lot of palms, including sagos, which aren't really palms, and king palms and a whole bunch, really shouldn't, you know, they're, they're, they'll take cold, but a sudden hard deep freeze will, will burn their foliage. So it might just be that all the leaves on it have turned brown. If you they cut have. those off, yeah. But if the tip of, the very tip of the, the, the top of the, that, that stem is the only growing point. Besides the little furry roots at the bottom, the only growing point on a palm is at the very top. So if that's still alive, it'll put out new growth sometime this spring. If it got killed, the whole thing's dead, nothing you can do. Well, they're all brown. The fronds are all brown right now. So yeah, that's last year. So. Yeah, that's should last year. Well, well you, you can cut them or else everybody's going to look at it and know exactly what happened. Nobody's going to fault you for it because everybody knows. So, you know, cut it. You can spray paint. You can throw Mardi Gras beads on it. But there's nothing you can do to green those back up. And, and again, the thing we're hoping for is that the very tip top, that growing point at the top, didn't get frozen. And if it didn't, it'll put out all new growth this spring, to re, you know, just like it does every spring. All right, and I got a second question for you. I have a little, um, it's like a cottage-style house, and it's got a driveway on the side as our yard. And I'm just wondering, what's what's some good tips to make that into a cozy garden? And I got a three-year-old. Yeah. So. Well, the the easiest way, you're talking to a guy who actually dug up his driveway and used the concrete to stack around the edge and turn it into a, a rubble rock raised bed garden. But I don't think you want to do that because you may want to sell the little cottage down the road and then may not be happy with it. Easiest thing to do would be a few big containers, you know, just scattered here and there. And I'm talking about big, some that you can't put your arms around because they don't have to be watered as much. But if you put a group of containers out there, maybe two or three groups of containers, you can put uh, small evergreen, uh, big big shrubs. You can put ground covers, flowers, herbs, vegetables, whatever, in the containers. And that way, down the road, you know, if, you can move around if you want to. And what about shade on that? Because that side of the house actually gets the full sun. Yeah, there's tons. You know, you could put a rosemary in one and make a nice big bush. You could grow oregano. You could grow basil. You can grow, uh, you know, just zinnias, roses. You know, there's anything, as long as it's just a big enough pot. You know, I can't grow stuff for very long in a pot that's smaller than about a five-gallon bucket. So if you get just some really nice, good size, kind of, you know, different shape, but nice wide containers, you can grow all sorts of stuff in there. I, I grow all my herbs and vegetables in broiling hot sun in big containers. Got it. But but mix, mix stuff up. That way, if something dies, nobody can tell. All right. <laughs> good luck, old man. Good. Hey, email me for some more ideas. I'll send you some pictures, too. All right. Thank you. Okay, Spencer. Hands on the wheels. Let's go up to Madison and talk with George. Hey, George, good morning. Good morning. How are you doing? <laughs> so far, so good. I got a feeling your oleanders don't look so good. 
Yeah, I got the same category as everybody seems to have the past few weeks. Yep, uh, yep. You know, I, I transplanted a couple in the fall, and uh, one of them looks great, and the other one, the leaves turn brown. And yep. I thought it just didn't survive the transplant, but then I saw the ones at the bank were yeah. also brown, so I yeah. thought maybe the freeze has got them. So I didn't know if I should cut it back to the ground or if it would put out new leaves maybe. Well, first of all, a little background. I'm from up in North Mississippi originally, and oleanders were, this was considered normal up there. You know, the further north you go, the more likely they're going to die, but they're certainly going to freeze. So what's going to, what happened, if they didn't get completely frozen, they'll spread out some new leaves up at the top of those stems. Most of the time, what the ones I've seen have been pretty well killed down at the ground, so I would just cut them down completely. If they're alive at all, which they should be, they, they'll put out some real strong, fast new growth uh, this spring that'll flower this summer. Okay, great. Okay, be so careful, good. though, George. i got to p- point out the uh, sap of uh, oleanders, real, real poisonous, so don't, don't chew your fingernails till you've washed them. <laughs> I'll try not to. <laughs> good luck on it, man. Thank you. Everybody's got this. I've seen some plants. I lost some plants in the in the hard freeze, a hard sudden freeze. I lost some Confederate jasmine. Some people call it star jasmine, and the bark burst. I've seen pitosporum where the bark is is burst. Um, uh, fig vine has been killed at the ground. Oleanders, sagos, you know, it's just part of it. Part of it. Cut it back. Let's hope for the best. Uh, yesterday, I had a really interesting uh, trip yesterday up to the Delta. I uh, gave a talk to the uh, to the Garden Club up there. It was a whole lot of fun. Uh, I'm trying to remember the, 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 the name of the Garden Club. I had it written down someplace. Oh, uh, huh. Well, I can't remember the name of it, but it was like the, 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 the Home and Garden Club of Cleveland, a whole bunch of ladies at the Methodist Church, and we just talked about old-fashioned plants and pass-along plants and what to do about their their flowers and stuff like that. But while I was up there, I, I sort of drove around a little bit and um, spent a little time meandering backwoods across the Delta. My folks settled up at the Delta back in the uh, mid-1800s and so. Uh, went through Dockery Plantation, Lynn. Big shout-out to Lynn while my dad went to high school. Um, but anyway, also uh, visited my great-grandmother's old daffodils up in Indianola. So many wonderful old flowers. And uh, when I was talking about these things, the paper whites and the jonquils and all, it took me back because, you know, this is a fragrance from my childhood. And every time I smell these kind of things, I'm transported back to that garden uh, back of my ancestors where they showed me how to do stuff. Now, I want to argue about something, not really argue. I want to point something out. There's a lot of different kinds of daffodils, a whole bunch of different kinds. There are thousands. There's hundreds you can get. There's dozens that will bloom great anywhere in Mississippi. Well, not as much on the coast. There's a few. But they come in different shapes, different shapes. Some have little flowers, some are white, some are uh, yellow, some are white with yellow, some are yellow with white. There's some with rose and pink and all that stuff. But in general, I want to talk about two particular ones. One is a real popular daylily. It's a small one. The flowers are not much bigger than the, oh, I'd say the the last part of my my middle finger. There's two flowers per stem usually. They're white with a long little trumpet. It's called tay-to-tay as in a little private conversation. Two little flowers side by side. Tete-a-tete is one of the most dependable daffodils for this part of the country. Little plants, blooms early, the foliage stays fl- uh, short, it doesn't flop over and look ugly later, uh, and it'll multiply. You plant one this year, you're going to have two or three next year, you're going to have four or five the next year. They spread. They bloom 
all the time. They're nice and neat, tete-a-tete, tete-a-tete. But there's another one. It's called a large cup daffodil. In Java last week, a lady called wanted to know, is there a good substitute for King Alfred? This is the one that's a King Alfred-type daffodil. That is a big, I can put my thumb all the way in that yellow cup. That that's the type of you know what that flower reminds me of. The Keep it kind, clean. The kind that that they people put on their shoulders and it squirts the water because it's just it's just that big. It's, it's just a, big enough. It's a huge flower. It's bigger than my hand. You know, and I can put my thumb all the way in this big yellow cup. This is not a plant for shy people because it is bold. Oh no, the people the door to the studio is closed, but they know you have that in there. Yeah. it's that big. It's that big. <laughs> I would drag it down the hall. Well, King Alfred is a, is an old popular type of daffodil with a great big large cup, big yellow daffodil. Um, but unfortunately, King Alfred wasn't all that good, and it actually had disappeared. It's very rare to find a true King Alfred daffodil because it weren't that great. And uh, here in the Deep South, they tend to not repeat bloom. They sort of peter out after a while. Uh, they do better when you go further north or in cooler climates. Uh, but anyway, uh, a lot of people still like that, so you can buy big bags of King Alfred daffodils. They're not King Alfred. They just are that type. So I just want to clear that up. And if you want to know, if you want to buy some that you know are going to come back, repeat bloom, uh, and keep growing year after year after year, there's one that with great big yellow cup, and it's called February Gold. February Gold is a King Alfred type daffodil, widely available. You can order it online. A lot of times you can buy it in garden centers. February Gold is a great big, bold, um, huge daffodil. And uh, the last thing I want to mention about this, I don't want to get into this too much because I'm hoping folks will call. By the way, the toll-free number is one eight seven seven mpb ring We're about to go into a break, but if you want to give us a call, one eight seven seven mpb ring The other thing I want to talk about is the difference between daffodils and narcissus. A lot of garden club ladies in Mass Garden know this. And Java, it's, not, it's that kind of thing where I don't care what you call them. I don't care. It doesn't matter to me. But technically, Narcissus, some people say Narcissus are white and daffodils are yellow. Narcissus is Latin for all daffodils. Daffodil is how English-speaking people, it's the folk name for Narcissus. So if you want to say Narcissus or daffodil, they're the same thing. However, in addition to big King Alfred types and little tete-a-tetes and the paper whites, there's one called Jonquil. And Jonquil really throw people. All daffodils have got this butter knife shaped leaf, you know, shaped like a little butter, little flat blade like a butter knife. But there's one whole group of little fragrant yellow flowers, and the leaf is shaped like a little skinny quill. Little quill. That's the one called jonquilla or jonquils. So na- daffodils, paper whites, narcissus, jonquils, buttercups, whatever you want to call them, enjoy. When we come back uh, for our quick break, I'm going to uh, share. Uh, um, a blog I wrote about snowdrops versus snowflakes. I'm horticulturist Felder Rushing. This is Gestalt Gardener here on Mississippi Public Broadcasting. We'll be right back after this. As a taxi driver, I listen to MPB a lot. I learned the symptoms of a female heart attack from Southern Remedy, and it helped me to save a co-worker's life. That's my MPB story. Okay, doke. Welcome back, folks. Horticulture Stella Rushing. I think I'm going to see if I can get our boss to put a uh, uh, a picture of these 
be, the different kind of daffodils that just talked about in the the jonquil foliage and all like this. Even put it on our on the MPB the Gestalt Gardener blog. Uh, there's some events coming up. I want to share with you real quick. We got a caller on the line, but uh, let me throw this out. Um, forty years ago, it's hard to believe, but forty years ago, I studied floral design uh, in Mississippi State as part of my horticulture uh, training. I took a couple of courses in it, and the instructor was a guy named Ralph Null. Ralph's a native Mississippi. He's well known all across for his southern garden style of design he directed the retail floral design uh, program at mississippi state for for 25 years and his creation has been enjoyed i mean they've had at white house state dinners inaugurals windows of windows up at Saks fifth avenue anyway ralph's going to be giving a talk tomorrow march the third in loosedale ralph is a great guy he's so much fun uh the anyway the ivy league garden club of loosedale is going to uh, host uh, ralph Noel saturday uh he's going to talk to uh, teach some stuff about design, using local foliage and blooms and stuff, tell some stories. It's going to start at 11 o'clock at the First Methodist Church of Loosedale. Now, uh, the tickets are $20 and includes lunch. So uh, if you're interested in that, you need to shoot me an email this afternoon so I can get you the uh, the, the phone to call. But, again, that's going to be tomorrow. Ralph Noll, he is fantastic. He's my professor from 40 years ago, a good friend, and uh, just a, a lot of fun. Uh, also, there's some other things coming up I want to share. The St. Tammany Master Gardeners are having their North Shore Garden and Plant Sale Friday, March the 16th. We've got plenty of time to talk about that later. Uh, but that's going to be um, uh, uh, the 16th and 17th of March, uh, St. Tammany Master Gardeners there in North Shore um, at the uh, St. Tammany Parish Fairgrounds. Um, the flower show at Mobile, March the 22nd through 24th. I'm going to be there on Sunday afternoon, March the 24th. Mobile flower show is fantastic. Um, the floral plant swaps coming up March the 29th. And, uh, I'm going to be in Laurel, Mississippi in Jones County, Laurel, Mississippi on Saturday, April the 28th. So we've got plenty of stuff to talk about, but those are some I've got coming up on the calendar. If you want to share some things, um, Shoot us an email, garden at mpbonline.org. Now, Tom has been hanging on for a long time, Tom. How are you, sir? Hello. Um, From Batesville. I, I, yeah, I live in Batesville, which is in the northern part of the state, and, and uh, I have daffodils, and they came up in October, which is what they usually do, and then they froze completely down to the ground in January. Yeah. And uh, they've come back up some, and they started to bloom again, but... But I just wanted you to explain the life cycle of daffodils because I thought they needed chill requirements, but they they die down in May or June, and then they come back up in October, and there's no chill between um, May and October. Yeah, it's, so. a, it's, it's, it's a real good point. Um, and, and, and by the way, some daffodils did freeze. Some of my earliest paper whites froze. And as a matter of fact, I don't think they're even going to bloom. Most of the time, they'll come back. But I, I'm from over to Indianola, not very far from Batesville, right over in the – you probably see Indianola from the hillside there in Batesville. And uh, my great-grandmother had 350 different kinds of daffodils. So, you know, I've, I've been raised it all my life. Here's their life cycle. Uh, and, and they're native to uh, to Eurasia. They're native to Turkey and, and Syria, you know, th- that whole area where it gets really hot hot and really dry in the summertime. So they come up in the fall. They grow roots in the fall. They put foliage up in the fall and the winter. They flower. Then they set their flower bud for the next year and grow new bulbs, and then they go dormant. So they don't really need chilling. What they need is... is uh, 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 they, they need to not stay wet. They need to be in, in areas that, that don't 
stay hard frozen for a long time. So the chilling hour really doesn't affect the flower bulbs of daffodils. It's just whether or not they're going to freeze from a real sudden hard freeze. You know, some some flowering plants, like fruit trees, tell time about when to, to flower in the spring based on chilling. Daffodils don't. Well, mine look kind of ugly because of all the dead leaves that uh, came up in October and then yeah. got frozen. It was it was anyway. a it was a tough one. You know, they can take you know again you know daffodils grow up they they grow in Scotland and they grow in Canada, uh, but what got them here? It was the sudden hard freeze. You know, plants need, you know, up north they get, it gets gradually cooler and cooler and then colder and colder. So plants get used to it. Well, ours had like 75 degrees for two weeks and bam, dropped down to seven degrees. And that's what got them is the sudden hard freeze. And that usually doesn't happen. All right. Well, thanks a lot. Okay. Good luck on it. Okay. Bye. And by the way, let me throw this out. Daffodils make their new bulbs and their flower buds for the next year after they finish blooming. A lot of people cut their foliage down after the, the daffodils get through blooming, and that cuts down on next year's flowers and bulbs. So, uh, you know, if they, they, don't, they don't look that great, but it's important to leave them alone as long as you can. Let's go to Rizlin. Hey, Robert, good morning. Hey, how's it going, uh, good. Uh, Russ? Good, what's up? Hey, uh, this is your homeboy from the Delta. Okay. Well, I talked to you over at Huddles about a week or two ago. That, yeah, that was a huge crowd, too, wasn't it? We had a lot of fun. Well, what's, right. What's going on? What can I help you with this morning, Sir Robert? Okay. My problem is uh, in my front yard and some of the neighbors here as well, I uh, got these dirt mounds built up uh, with a hole in the center. Uh, reminds you of an anthill or so, but it's not. And I've been inquiring about it. There's a little small ditch that runs in the front where water runs through and what yeah. have you. And not that far from the reservoir bar and stuff as well. Yeah. Um, are these I've been like, told it could be moles. No, are, are, moles possibly are, are, crawdads. Yeah. Are, are they and, like little? Are they like little chimneys? You can stick your finger down in the hole. Right. That's that's crawdads. You know. Uh, is there some way of getting rid of them? Uh, do you just let it run its course? Well, yeah. And I yeah. wanted to get some feedback from you or maybe some audience members out there that's listening to see how do you curtail the situation. Well, there's a couple just of things. Run its course. Yeah, a couple of things. Running the course is always, you know, to me, the, the, the best solution because they're not hurting anything, really. They're actually aerating the soil. You could kill them even though they're they're crustaceans, you know, they're they're like crabs and lobsters and things. You can kill them with insecticides, you know, by just squirting a little down the hole. But they're not hurting anything. And and and, and matter of fact, they're kind of cool. They only do that chimney in the spring during a really wet spot. I actually have one of those chimneys, Robert. That's that you can't put your hands around a great big one on my windowsill. It looks like a little little mud castle. Uh, but I think yeah. they're kind of cool. Uh-huh. They're kind of cool. But right. if, if you wanted to get, if they're really really bad, they're tearing your mower up. Uh, you know, you could you know put any kind of insecticide down the hole and kill them, but. They're, they're cool creatures. They're just trying to make a living in a difficult place. Well, due to the recent rain, and we've got a lot of rain, and my, my front yard is water soaked right now, as a matter of fact. Well, that's what they do. They build that thing up so they can, you know, get, come up and, you know, it's like air hole. But also they come out at night and they grab bits of grass leaves and stuff like that and bring it back. They're, they're sort of like underground uh, cows. They come up at night like, like big leggy worms and grab leaves and grass clippings and stuff like that and take it down and munch on. But they're not hurting yeah. anything other than that. So, uh, you know, I think they're kind of cool. We, You know, it's a, it's a native critter. It's kind of a weird critter. I mean, if nothing else, man, you could eat them if you wanted to. 
Well, we used to do that when I was kids, <laughs> but you just catch them out of the ditch or so much. Yeah, so well. They, the case now, they, they're hiding. You almost got to catch a line and well, put a piece of bacon or something on it. Well, what were you? What, because they are nocturnal. What, what would you do, Robert, if you knew something's going to grab you and break your tail off and boil you alive? You'd hide, too. <laughs> <laughs> anyway, they're, they're just, it's sort of a temporary springtime or early summer type thing, and I really wouldn't worry about it too much. I'd mow them around them or, or just, just kick them over so it doesn't tear your mower up, and they'll build a new one up. Yeah, yeah, okay. Hey, well, that's where I wanted to get some input. I wasn't sure, so hey, I feel and, a lot better now. Hey, let me throw this out. This is really weird. People who, who have a really uh, well-taken-care-of-lawn, they mow real close at all, and golf course uh-huh. people, they also have these tiny little piles of dirt that come up overnight, and you can only see it because they're only like half inch or so tall, but earthworms do the same thing. You know, if you go oh, out okay. on a golf course first thing in the morning, I don't play golf, but my son used to be. Yeah, I do. It, I play well, if you go out in the morning, you notice out there mowing it and it doesn't really need mowing. They're out there mowing the worm casting so it doesn't mess, mess up with your ball. Isn't, yeah. that, isn't that a crazy thing? Yeah. Yeah, I got you. Anyway. All right. Hey, I appreciate it, Russ. Good luck, good luck on it, sir, Robert. Good to hear from you. All right. By the way, uh, wild pears are everywhere right now. Wild pears. Uh, the the plums are pretty well finished blooming, little rounded colonies of, of plants, but the wild pears are all over. Some people get their shorts in or not because wild pears aren't from here. They spread by birds. The birds eat the, the little small pears. The pears are about the size of the end of your finger. Really high nu- nutritious for the birds and possums and stuff. Anyway, they drop the seeds everywhere. And people say, well, they're bad. They're not from around here. They're spreading. They're not hurting anything. The flowers are gorgeous. They're great for honeybees and butterflies and all these pollinators. But they don't smell that sweet. No, the, the <laughs> wild pears, they smell sort of like dirty socks to me, to tell you the truth. But the uh, but a lot of people, uh, and, and, and get this, yeah, they spread all over the place. You see them right now. You see them everywhere. And they are escapes from gardens. Uh, and some people say that's bad. Well, they got pretty fall colors. they got great flowers. They're good for pollinators. So wildlife loves the berries. But here's the deal on their being an invasive plant. They're small trees. And when they sprout up along a fence row or the edge of the woods out in the sun, they get big pretty quick. Within a couple of three or four years, birds drop seeds of other plants and wind blows it in. And within just a few more years, the native things, the oaks and the persimmons and things like that actually grow up and shade these out. So they're a temporary problem. Meanwhile, aren't they pretty and they're terrific for pollinators? Okay, we're going to take a real quick break. We've got a couple of callers on the line. If you'll hang on, we're going to play a little Beach Boys uh, vegetable-related tune and come back with more of the Gestalt Gardener here on Mississippi Public Broadcasting. My vegetables, I'm going to chow down my vegetables. I love you most of all, my favorite vegetable. If you brought a big brown bag of them home I'd jump up and down and hope you'd toss me a carrot I'm gonna keep well my vegetables card off and sell my vegetables I love you most of all my favorite vegetable I tried to kick the ball, but my tinny flew right off. I'm red as a beat, cause 
If you want to give us a call, it's toll-free 1-877-MPB-RING. We're going to go, uh, I'm going to push this blinking light to talk with Ed and Brandon. Hey, Ed, what's up with your Dorfolk Pine? Hi, Brandon. This, hi, uh, Felder. This is your old friend from ETV. Howdy. I, have, I bought a couple of Norfolk Pines to put outside by the front door at Christmas time. Uh-huh. And then I discovered those things aren't pines at all. They come from Hawaii, so I carried them in the house. Yeah. Yeah, and they they did fine. I put them out just a little while ago when it got warm. Now it's saying it's going to be thirty five tonight. Do I need to bring them back in? Yeah, thirty five is pretty tough. Uh, Norfolk Island pines they grow in Southern California. They grow in Central Florida South, but they and you know, they might take thirty five if you got them up against a house because there's some reflected heat up there. So if it's really really big, you know, I, I wouldn't worry about. 40 degrees at all. 35, if it's in a protected area out of the wind up against a house, it'll probably do just fine. But just in case, Ed, it's time to drag it in. I'll bring them, I'll bring them in. They're not real big. Can I ask a question about bulbs? Sure. I have uh, some beautiful pots, colored pots on my back patio that are full of tulips and daffodils. Uh-huh. Come, uh, once those finish blooming... I haven't got room out there for all those pots plus other spring and summer things. What can I do with those bulbs? Can I take them take take them up and put them in a sack for the next year? Yeah, yeah. Now, if you don't need the pots for other stuff, you could just let them completely dry out, take the pots, and stack them over behind the you know out of no, the. I do out, need, I do need okay. the pots because I just don't have enough room for yeah. all of them. Well, after they completed that, and the tulips, you could just throw those away. Ed, tulips are one shot. Anybody tells you different than just making it up, they're one shot. But some the ones that'll come back for years, like some of the daffodils and things like that. Yeah, after the foliage dies, you can dig them up, cut the foliage off, and you know just keep in a cool, dry place, like you know in the garage or someplace like that till fall. Okay, great, thank you. Oh, let me throw one other thing out, Ed. Norfolk Island pines get huge. I, you know, I I have pictures of me. I can't put my arms around them. Sooner or later, yours is going to get too big. And there's nothing you can do about it. You can't prune it, you can't because it is a conifer. So enjoy it while you can. But when it gets too much trouble, just eighty-six it. Get rid of it. Don't feel. Sometimes don't, plants are disposable. Yep. Yep. I hate to say that, but you know that's that's just the way it is. I understand. Okay. Good luck. Good to hear from you, Ed. Good to talk to you. Have a good week. All righty. Ed was a producer in uh, the TV portion of, of ETV. We had a lot of fun for a long, number of years before we retired. Now let's go to Silver Hill, Alabama. Hey, Joseph, good morning. 
Good morning. What's How are up? you? Fine, fine. What's up? I, uh, I'm calling about something called Florida Lucosi. Yeah, cool plant. And uh, I'm wondering, uh, might it be appropriate for the uh, Alabama Gulf Coast? Is it well, or is a, that too far north? For a, 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 actually, Florida? yeah, actually, it's uh, uh, it's not really. They just call it Florida because Florida means flowering. Okay, it's just like a uh, uh, dogwoods are called Cornus Florida, even though they grow up into to Maine. Uh, gotcha. But anyway, Leucothea is a great native plant. Now, Joseph, it is a shade plant, so okay. just just want to throw that out. It's, now, do you got the? I don't. You know, there's some different varieties. Some that are smaller. Some that get really, really big. You know which one you've got? Uh, it's the kind of get uh, really big. Okay. Well, they have really good long arching um, uh, branches. And right. and uh, so anyway, put it where it can get big, you know, back behind, you know, uh, out of the way because it's not easy to prune. But is it it's, a shrub it's a, or a small tree? It's a it's a it's a big evergreen shrub. Big evergreen shrub. Yeah, okay. mul- multiple stems along. And a matter of fact, there's a. Uh, I've always said, you know, there's got a there's another name for it besides Leucothui, Leucothui, and something else. I uh, can't remember what it is. But I've, I've been telling people one of the reasons why these plants aren't more popular. They're terrific glossy, evergreen, shade-loving, native plants. But people won't buy something that they can't pronounce the name. So I said, come up with a name people can remember. And uh, somebody came up with one. They call it Woods Holly. Huh. It's not a holly, of course, but Woods Holly. That works, whatever it takes. Yeah, it's just going to be hard to get people to buy, to, to buy something with a, with a weird name like that. Well, thank you so much. Okay, good luck on it, Joseph. Thanks for calling. Yes, sir. Okay, let's go to Columbus. Hey, Nick, what's up? Hey, Felda, how you doing? I appreciate you taking my call. You bet. A question it? for you. I have a, had a garden in the, in, the, in, the same, in the same spot for over 10 years, in uh-huh. the prairie section, as you know, uh, up, up here. And uh, I don't have any earthworms and never have had earthworms. What am I doing to run them off? Um, and uh, what all are you growing? Just everything? Mainly uh, uh, mainly tomatoes, tomatoes, peppers, uh, and eggplant. That's about yeah. it. Now, but this is in a regular garden, though, right? I mean, you till it and all that? Uh, Felda, I have not tilled it uh, this year because I planted down the center of it. I planted some uh, some fig trees, Yeah. and I didn't want to disturb the roots well, of the fig trees. Th- the reason I'm asking because a tiller really boogers up earthworms. You know, they, no. they they live in undisturbed soil, and a tiller just tears okay. them into little pieces. So okay. so if you yeah. want to have earthworms, you you might want to have an area of your garden that's what we call no-till. If you just use a lot of mulch, uh, earthworms are like cows. They eat uh, organic debris. You know, cows eat hay. Yeah, right. Worms eat grass clippings and leaves and stuff like that. So around your fig trees, you can get a whole bunch of earthworms from your tree, f- around your figs, which will help improve the soil by mulching the figs with real tree leaves, you know, chopped That's up or what whatever. I'm, doing. I'm using I'm using oak uh, tree leaves that I mulch up. That's, That's, that, I'm That's fantastic. Now, here's the other thing you can do. Earthworms, like cows, can't live on just grass alone and just leaves alone. They need protein. If you'll go to a garden center someplace that sells a little cottonseed meal, yeah, cotton, right, sure. it's, it's a good source of natural nitrogen for your plants. It's a great fertilizer, but it also has protein, and you can end up with earthworms that are going to be 10 inches long I'm yeah. within, within a couple of years. Okay, let me ask you one other question, mm-hmm. if I might. Sure. Uh, would it be advisable to go to uh, 
to one of these places that sell night crawlers for fishermen and just buy a couple of buckets of those and put in there? You could, but you could also just go to out in the woods and just any leaf pile, just pull the leaves back. And because of all this rain, they could be real shallow. So just find yeah. where some, some leaves are, pull the leaves back with the rake, and you'll be shocked at how many worms are out there. Yeah. Okay. And those right. those are gonna be those aren't gonna be those are gonna be city worms. These are gonna be country worms. That's what you want. Yeah, I want the country worms. There you right. go. There you go. Okay. Hey, I really appreciate it. Okay. And oh, oh one last thing, Nick. When you're digging, uh, when you're, you're harvesting those things, get some of the dirt that they're they're growing in because it'll have earthworm cocoons in it too. Oh, is that right? Yeah, just throw it on the ground, cover up the leaves, throw some cottonseed meal out, and next time you come out, they're gonna be grabbing at your leg. Very good. Just uh, just a, a light uh, dusting of cotton. Yeah. Uh, two pounds will cover 100 square feet. Yeah, yeah. Okay. Good, good luck on it, Nick. Appreciate it, man. Okay, now let's go to Cordova, Tennessee. Hey, Cindy, good morning. Good morning. How are you? I'm fine. What's going on with you? I just got a couple of questions about bulbs. Mm-hmm. Um, I think I know the answer, but I have quite a few that need dividing. So when is the best time to divide them? After the leaves start to turn yellow or fall over or die down. Okay, in the summer. Well, now, late late one. What what I would do is the ones that you want to divide, if you'll come up with some kind of little marker, a stick, a flag, a a marble, put something, let's say, just on the south side or the north side or wherever, a certain place of the clump so that you'll be able to find them later in case you don't get around to it. Okay. And um, when is the – you had said something a few weeks ago about – throwing a little bit of fertilizer around the bulbs, but was that when they were just coming in, up? In the fall, that's right. You know, they they, they okay. need fertilizer at the beginning of the growing season, which is in the, the fall. Okay. All right. That's what I needed. Okay. Thank you. Appreciate your call. All right. Bye-bye. 1-877-MPB-RING. Let's go to Raymond. Hey, Sylvia. Good morning. Good morning. Howdy. What's up? Um, I bought a pear tree, I mean, a plum tree yesterday, a Bruce plum, and uh-huh. it said it needed a pollinator. Does that mean it has to be the exact same variety of no. plum or just near other plum trees? No, a completely different variety, <laughs> an exact variety, just like a different branch on the same plant. You need a completely different variety. Okay. So if I plant it near some that have been at my property for years, although they're not bearing very much or have not grown Sure. Plums in several years. They just have been there since we moved there. Sure. As long as Would they that... bloom about the same time. You know, some fruit trees bloom or some varieties bloom earlier than others. As long as they bloom about the same time, then they'll cross-pollinate just fine. That's wonderful. Thank you. Okay. Appreciate it. Mm-hmm. All righty. Now, down to Picayune. Hey, Barbara. Picayune. Well, good morning again. How Howdy. are you? I'm fine. <laughs> What's going on? Uh, I have some questions about buckeyes. You told a former caller few weeks ago that they should plant their buckeyes and they'd be out they'd be up before they knew it well i've had some in the ground for three years and they're struggling i have two that i planted about 10 years ago one is fine and the other two are oh two feet high not doing much a couple of questions first of all most of picayune is kind of flat and uh, where you see buckeyes growing naturally is on a slope in the shade. Are yours in the shade or in the, in the uh, sun? Uh, three of them are in the shade, and the other three are 
partial shade, I would say. Yeah. Well, they're, they're woodland plants. They, they, they need good drainage. And uh, some of the soil around Picayune is really good. Some is kind of heavy. If their roots stay wet part of the year, they'll be stunted. They're, they're, they're what we call upland species. You see them growing along the, the hillsides in the shade. And okay. so it, well, it could I, just be your... Is it possible to move them? Uh, how, how, are they more than waist high? Oh, they're less than they're not yeah. even knee high, and they've been I, in there I, for two I would or three de- years. I, I would definitely move them. When I said they come up real quick, I mean they the seeds sprout and they'll come up before fall. The yeah. plants will grow according to what, what kind of roots they've got. It sounds like yours may be in an area where they're staying a little bit too wet, or it's got heavy soil or something like that. Yeah, I thought maybe they should be higher, higher ground. Yeah, I can do that. All right. Well, thank you very okay. much. I, I I appreciate you growing the buckeyes. They're one of the main hummingbird plants. Hummingbird follow buckeyes from from uh the from texas and the gulf coast all the way up into ohio and further north they follow the buckeyes as they bloom well one of mine is blooming but i haven't seen hummingbirds yet the other question is can i prune it back because it's under my live sure. oaks and it's getting tall so can uh, yeah. they be pruned they, they can be and let me throw this out live oaks like a desert. There's not a whole lot of anything that's grown under live oaks except monkey grass and aspidistra. It's hard to grow buckeyes under a live oak tree. So I'd, I'd put them under some other trees. Oh, okay. li- li- well, Live oaks are really, really greedy trees and heavy, dense shade. That might not be the best place for them. Okay, well, I was told to plant them there by a, a, a plan that I was given, so I followed it's real, instructions. It's, and, real, it's real easy to draw circles on a piece of paper without knowing what's going to happen five so, years down the road. I thought he was an expert, but thank you very okay, much. Okay, good, good luck. Don't even get me started on experts, but All right. <laughs> appreciate your call. Thank you. Okay, now let's go to Louisville. Hey, Brittany. Brittany. Hello. Hello. How are you? You're on the air. Oh, okay. Um, good. Um, I was wondering, um, I absolutely love poppies. Mm-hmm. And I was wondering, is it a good time to plant them? Or nope. do I need to do them later in the spring? Nope. Neither one. Fall. Poppies are like clover and and, uh, henbit and dandelions. Uh, They sprout in the fall. They hunker down as little clusters of leaves over the wintertime, and then they bloom in the spring. So uh, they're fall planted. I mean, if if you got the seed, go ahead and get some started. But okay. save save some to plant in uh, in October, November, sometime like that. They grow over the winter and then they bloom in the spring, sort of like uh, oh. the the weeds and stuff out in the lawn. Oh, okay. Now, um, they like to do they come back every year, or do I have to keep they, putting the seeds out? Or? Well, if if you've got a you know. It, it, they they sow their own seeds, you know, but if you it's really easy to save the seeds. You know, once that little uh, round pod thing dries up, you can cut it off, turn it upside down, and shake the seeds into an envelope or something. Uh, and they'll they'll reseed themselves in dirt. If you've got mulch in your garden, mulch keeps the seeds from sprouting. It's, mulch is really good at keeping weeds down. It also keeps poppies and stuff down. So the main thing, you need to make sure that the seeds are on, on dirt in the fall. Oh, okay. Okay. All right. Well, great. Thank you okay. so much. Appreciate it. Thank you. Uh-huh. Appreciate Bye-bye. your call. We've been getting a lot of calls this morning. Do we need to take a, a break or something? We'll do that, and then we're going to come back. We've got a caller on the line from up in Quitman. I'm horticulturist Felder Rushing, taking a picture of this February gold King Alfred type daffodil, little double white paper, double flowering paper whites, and a little tete-a-tete 
little small daffodil and a daffodil leaf and a jonquil leaf. We're going to post it on the website. So uh, stay tuned about that. Also, if you want to know the difference between snowdrops and snowflakes, or want to know what you've got and the different kinds of hen and chicks, go to my blog. It doesn't cost anything. Felder Rushing Blog. And click on the little thing that says blog. And it'll take you right to a brand new thing I posted just yesterday with pictures of snowdrops, snowflakes, different kinds of daffodils, and also two different things are called hen and chicks. Felder Rushing Blog. We'll be back here on MPB with more of the Gestalt Gardener right after this. This is an MPB Think Radio podcast. To hear previous shows, visit mpbonline.org or download the MPB Public Radio app to listen on your iPhone or Android phone on demand. Okay, you know, folks, welcome back. Horticulture's Phil Rushy. Before we go to the phones, let me mention I got a, a real nice email from Mitch Caver. Caver, uh, he transplanted moss from his house to his cabin on a 45 degree hill that was washing all the time. Could get grass to grow. He sent me a picture of it. The moss completely stabilized the hill. Got no problems now. He said, as long as you keep leaves off of it, it's a good solution for shaded areas when grass won't grow. So I appreciate that, Mitch. I 100% agree with you. Moss is a great plant for heavy shade. Let's go to Quitman. Hey, John, thank you for holding, man. What's up? Uh, yes, yes, sir. Uh, I have a garden spot. It's new, and it has a lot of everything growing in it. Uh-huh. And what I need to know, how do I prepare that? Do uh, I spray it or, and then dish it up or what? Well, if it's a pretty pretty good size area. No, it's uh, probably 10 by, by 20. Okay. Like that. An area that that, that small... Um, well, you're not gonna be able to disc it. You, I don't. Do you have a tiller, or would you rent one? I uh, know I have a tractor with a disc on it. A tractor with it. You don't even have time to t- room to turn around in a garden that little, John. <laughs> you well, can. It, it's out in an open area. Okay. Okay. If you can disc it really good, where you can turn the top stuff under, then you know, then that actually improves your soil it, it it turns it in if you wanted to the, the problem with spraying for weeds you need to wait till the, the weeds are out there now are going to die when it gets hot anyway you till it up they're gone and your problem is the summer weeds and they don't really come up until after you've already planted your garden so spraying now really almost like a waste i would just uh whatever's out there now i would just dig it in really really good you know and 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 actually if you got some leaves you can cut in with it and then let's worry about the summer weeds a little bit later and uh, I go ahead and get started that way. Uh, one other question. Where can I get wildflower seeds? Uh, well, there's a lot of different places sell wildflower seeds. Um, most of them are planted in the fall, though. Um, so d- do you do the email thing, John? Uh, no. I don't. Okay. okay, there there are several companies... Uh, uh, all the all the uh, seed companies like Parks and Burpee and all those seed companies, they all sell individual wildflower seeds. What you, what I would not do is get a wildflower seed mix. They sell a lot of seed mixes, John. 
Half of them are a bunch of junk. It's designed to wherever you are, something will come up. But uh, instead of buying wildflower seed mixes, uh, let's go with individual wildflowers and make your own mix. Things like black-eyed Susan and Coreopsis, things like that. Uh, If you can find somebody who'll shoot me an email about this, I've got some real easy uh, uh, stuff on growing wildflowers. I actually wrote a little publication for the extension service. But uh, you can get the individual seeds. main thing is don't buy a wildflower seed mix. You've got to throw a bunch of money away. All righty, now let's go to uh, Picayune. Hey, Curtis, good morning. Good morning. How you doing? So far, so good. What's up? I got a, a, a cedar tree in my front yard, uh-huh. and it's slowly dying. I mean, it's maybe about seven or six dead. There's the green on the backside of it, but it's green on the top, but the, the rest of it around it is just dead. Yeah. Uh, he... I, I don't understand why it's it's been green for the last 13 years I've been living there. Yeah. And all of a sudden this year, it just started dying. Yeah, there, there's several different, you know, cedars are normally pretty tough trees, uh, Curtis, but there's some things that will kill them, uh, some diseases, bad weather. It could have been struck by a real mild bolt of lightning that didn't kill it or blow it open, but just, you know, just half kill it. But there's not much you can do about that. When the end of a branch of a cedar dies, that branch dies all the way back to the trunk. You can't prune it like you can a, a regular bush. Yeah, you're right. So uh, I would just enjoy. And by the way, I had a big cedar tree in my yard this past year. It was uh, it was getting tangled on the power lines. But instead of cutting it down, I cut the branches off and uh, I stuck bottles on the ends of the branches. It made me a homegrown bottle tree. Oh, <laughs> I'm just saying that's all. Oh, okay. Well, um, not 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 much. I don't, you know can what, do. I don't know what to do with it. Well, all you can do is you can you can live live with it, learn it, learn to love it like it is, or cut off the dead stuff, or you know. But there ain't nothing you can do to to fix it. That's for that's for sure. So anyway, good luck on that. I think we got time to squeeze in one more call from Brandon. Hey, Drew, what's up? Hey, Felder. Uh, I'm working in a lady's flower bed today. A little small thing. Uh huh. And uh, she, uh, well, I'm sitting here picking the weeds out of it and everything, but uh, she was wanting me to put something down to, uh, you know, just to block the weeds out. Mulch. Mulch. Bark. Bark mulch. I wouldn't use the weed fabrics. I wouldn't use those things. They just could cause problems down the road. Just get as clean as you can and cover it with a nice thick layer, two or three inches of bark mulch. And that'll do a lot towards controlling weeds. Perfect. Hey, and, uh, also, Felder, I, I got a little blueberry bush I'm, uh-huh. I'm thinking about planting. I'm just wondering about how long that thing will take to start putting out blueberries. It could have some this year. If not this year, do it next. Work a little peat moss into the dirt. Blueberries like a little peat moss mixed with the native dirt. Mulch it really good, and if it doesn't have any this year, it'll have some next year. Awesome. Thank you so much, okay. Felder. And she, she gonna have, you're going to have weeds in there this summer, some perennial weeds come up. So, you know, just pretend to, you just get used to taking the flak from them, but mulch rather than fabric. So about two to three inches? Yeah. All right, will do. Okay. All righty, man. Hope you're in the sun. Whew. Java, we spent a lot of time, a lot of phone calls, a lot of phone calls today. If you want to shoot me an email, folks, garden at mpbonline.org. Got fire ants? I do, too. I got fire ants. We're going to be talking about those and all sorts of other garden events here next Friday. If you want to give us a call anytime, it's Friday and Saturday. Gestalt Garden is a production of Mississippi Public Broadcasting. My producer, the laid-back but hard-working Java Chapman, phone greeter today was the esteemed Kevin Farrell. 
Hope your garden's faring well. It's a pretty weekend. It's great to be in the South because we can garden this weekend. If you get a chance, take a kid to a garden center. Give them $5 worth of pure joy. Show them what we do the best, and that's Get Dirty. See you all next week.